0: Hey everybody, it is Scott and Zach and Greg. He is not is here yet. Gone. He gone. It feels like he's been gone forever.
1: He has, since 87.
0: We've been waiting, it, here's we've been the thing, writing though. letters. He, here's, here's a question for you. How old were you in 1987? I was negative one. <laughs> <laughs>
1: uh, that's too bad one. yeah how old are you seven i was 11 11 you were getting into your whatever the christian equivalent of metallica was you were into Whiteheart in 87 weren't you
0: oh i wouldn't have known what christian music was <laughs> although my first bigger concert was in 1986 so this would have been a year after or, yeah a year after greg left yeah. No, in 1986, I went to a Striper to Hell with the Devil oh, concert. Oh, yeah, Striper. striper uh, it, it was towards the end of the year. I was 11 years old, yeah. and I remember the guitarist <laughs> During the band's break, he played where every note on his guitar was uh it, the longer he held it it said jesus loves you and so he would go jesus loves you jesus loves and i don't think i've ever screamed so hard in my life i damaged my vocal cords
1: screaming along the stripers jesus loves guitar. keytar and i mean since then music's really gone downhill you know? it,
0: that was the pinnacle. I, it's too bad that I had to be 11 years old when I was at the top. You know, we can only hope and pray for something <laughs> as great <laughs> to come back. And uh, it's probably not likely. Yeah, it's all been ruined by Spotify and yeah. iTunes and Michael Scott. Why Michael Scott? How is I Michael Scott
1: ruined things? Just because he's a ruiner of things?
0: Yeah. Well, what's what's happening in the corner church world? Was, as Greg is coming back today from vacation. That's what's happening. He was in Seattle. No. He was in Maine. No, Northern California. He's this in is, California
1: the, with Greg Kelsey's and Kelsey family.
0: were visiting. Yeah, his family, too.
1: No, just Kelsey's family.
0: I'm pretty sure they stayed with his family.
1: I'm just trying to put out as much misinformation as I can.
0: Mrs. Barber, we know you're listening to this. Actually, this is the true test. Greg's mom. Greg's mom you're listen, to listens to this, this podcast, but... If she's really a follower of this podcast, she will listen to it when Greg is not on it. Yeah. And, and I promise you that uh, she didn't get past the moment when you and I said, Greg's not here, <laughs> next.
1: So, Greg's mom, if you're listening right now, that's great. Thank you for listening. <laughs> Drop us a comment in the comments In below. the comments section. Yeah. Uh, yeah.
0: We've got a bunch of cool things happening in the Corner Church world. We've got our United Service in just two weeks, bringing our three communities together, baptisms, and, and such at Worth Beach. 25th, yep. 10 a.m. it's Sunday morning. We've got um, on the tomorrow 30th. What, 30? What's on, on thirty? On the 30th, we our fall retreat deposits are due. Yeah, the two days before that, 28th and
1: 29th. First ever Corner Church VBS.
0: Yep, Corner Church VBS is 6 happening. 6 p.m., two hours a night. Two, two nights, nights in four hours of VBS. Yeah. Uh, uh, we got about 20 spots available for that. I think about half of them are full, just under that. And so pretty excited about that. If you want to have your kid come to it, or kids, if you're listening right now.
1: Sign up now.
0: I, would, oh, wait. Don't I, ask I have a parent. lot of questions for you if you're listening right now. <laughs> <laughs> uh, VBS, uh, sign up for Fall Retreat. Fall Retreat is coming in the 20th through the 22nd of, of September. And uh, yeah, those are the big things that are coming down. Tomorrow, marriage Q&A at your house, Scott. Yep. By
1: bunch the time this hits
0: the ground, this that'll be long over. A
1: bunch of veteran married people going to answer a bunch of questions.
0: I've written some starter questions like what would and so i want to ask you give me give me some insight if you were going to ask a couple that's been married for over 20 years that calling have you been married nine years nine years
1: i think it's nine what, i literally have to do math
0: what well
1: did you get married in year 2000 no we haven't been married nine years seven years Whew. seven years
0: what month did you get married
1: april april 2012
0: yeah <laughs> we've been, no, we've been
1: together for ten years. We okay, got, we got married seven years ago.
0: Yeah, it's good. Um, I got years. I got married in December of nineteen ninety six. Okay, I was eight. <laughs> I just turned eight. You could have been the ring monkey at my wedding.
1: Yeah, with my pants falling down. Yeah, we're showing a really good video clip this Sunday of weddings that have gone poorly. Yeah, because you want you want weddings to go well. Yeah, actually, you want them to be perfect.
0: What would you What would you ask a couple that's been married for a long time?
1: Uh, I would ask them, "What is one thing that you thought was always going to be part of marriage that has dissolved?"
0: Hmm, that's good. I think one one of the questions that I actually didn't write down, but I've got I've been thinking about is uh, what was really important. In the first decade of your marriage, that is either less or isn't important anymore. Yeah. And is that a good or a bad thing? Should it be important again? Yeah. And the reason I ask that, why I wanna ask that is because uh, sometimes I can get caught in many loopholes of thinking things are really important that aren't, or thinking things that are very important are not as important as they are. So, yeah. It'll be fun. Lighthearted, focused conversation is what we call it. <clears throat> we'll see what happens. But, Ledge here today, we are going to start our conversation around James. We're going to be spending the next couple months looking at James. Jimbo, or camel moves. We, we call him Jim. Jim. And so, we'll dive into that here in just a second. jobs what was your first what was the first job other than a parent that you got paid for
1: when i was 10 i got a newspaper route
0: like hardcore old school chuck it
1: not every day but yes chuck it on saturday mornings only and my dad helped me so i I wasn't really doing did he drive
0: you around in the minivan he
1: would drive us to the neighborhood where i had to drop off and then he would take half the papers, and I would take half the papers.
0: Did he take half the paycheck? No. Wow, your was, dad was nice.
1: He was great. We would walk around. I had the paper holder. It was the, the double-sided.
0: The messenger bag?
1: No, no, it was double-sided. I put it on like a, a vest, and it wow. was full of newspapers on either side. And it was way heavier than my body. It was 200 newspapers. And it you were was 10, so, so you were
0: 61 pounds. Not
1: so light, and... We wrapped them in blue plastic. It's the local paper full of advertisements.
0: The carrot. The deliverer had to wrap them?
1: Yep. Deliverer had to put the inserts into them and then wrap wow. them and wrap them. Wow. Yep. That's my first job.
0: That's a lot of work. Yep.
1: What was your first job, other than family stuff?
0: I grew up on a farm, so there was a lot of family work. Mm-hmm. One of my favorite work experiences at home that my brother and I give my dad a hard time about is that growing up in central Minnesota the frost pushes rocks up every year so you have to pick rocks every year it it seems like logically impossible what is logically impossible that the ground produces rocks and as an adult, it still doesn't make sense. Rock picking. So you, you drive a tractor with a rock wagon, which is just a heavy wagon, up and down the fields, and then you have at least one person on each side of the wagon, and you grab, pick up rocks, and you throw them onto the wagon. Big rocks, little rocks, uh, all the rocks. D- depending the on plane? the crop. So if it was, uh, if it was soybeans, you would do about big potato, and bigger. And there would be lots of them. If it was something like alfalfa, like hay, you'd have to do smaller. So like baseball and up, a little bit even smaller than that. Boy. And corn a little bit bigger. But uh, my dad paid my brother and I a dollar a load. Which was a ton of money. In it was not. <laughs> it was terrible deal. We give my dad the hardest time because we got... Uh, ripped off and so it wasn't connected to time either so my dad we would get to the end of the field and my brother and i would go it's full and he would go one more round (laughs) and we'd go up and down and it would just like at the end it would be to the last rock on top of that that trailer and uh what would you do with all these bad rocks so you every farm has a has many rock piles and uh it, some of them are mind-bending. There'll be farms that have been farmed for eighty years, and there'll be rock piles as big as uh, like three or four gymnasiums that are about eight feet tall, all rocks from fields from eighty years. Yep. Never, never knew. In my head, in logic, there should be a moment where you go, "Well." I think we got the last of them.
1: <laughs> they still keep coming. How old were you when you did your last season of rock picking?
0: Well, That's all through high school.
1: Okay. Did yeah. you? get to You a start point? little,
0: and the only thing that's different when you're little is that you can't pick up the biggest rocks.
1: <laughs> did you consider it pure joy?
0: I did. It was not joy. <laughs> yeah. I, but I had growing up in the agricultural world. I I did a lot of helping other farmers pulling weeds doing all that kind of stuff and the reason i asked that it's funny is like you say is that james we jump into he he starts off with this consider pure joy when life is terrible anytime life sucks be joyful Yep. and the key is the why he says consider pure joy because it uh, produces perseverance mm. do you think I thought the background into who James is, or was, is super fascinating.
1: Yeah. I didn't know much of who James was until we started prepping this. I thought he was just one of the followers of Jesus. Turns out. Brother. A little bit closer.
0: Brother. Brother. And uh, he, he was known as Old Turtle Knees.
1: <laughs> camel knees.
0: Old camel knees because he prayed all the time. And his life ended. And I shouldn't think of this as like fascinating. You love or love this. Okay. I love you it. love it
1: so much. I yeah. shouldn't love
0: it. But he, when he was martyred for his faith, which uh, probably normal people would say, oh, it's, oh, that's tragic.
1: Yeah.
0: I think it's amazing. And then course, yeah. he was... Like his brother Jesus, he was taken up on the top of the temple, and I'm sure it it probably was intentional. I I actually don't know if it was like, hey, your brother, he was brought up here, whatever. And they actually threw James off the temple. He landed and lived, and then they stoned him. Don't you love that? I hate it. He's <laughs> the worst. Uh. that's a that's a rough way rough way to go it's just oh i don't like landing falling is okay landing is pretty rough and then i think a falling from a high distance and not dying still being conscious is bad
1: yeah i think if i were if i were thrown off something and or if i fell off something and I knew that it was too high to generally survive. I would do everything in my power to make sure that I didn't actually survive. That what? No, know,
0: I'm not. No, you fall from a, a hundred and
1: fifty feet up onto sharp rocks. I'm not trying to uh, not. I mean, just I need to. I need to get that out of the way as quickly as possible.
0: You can't, should. Can't you should fall. YouTube search oh. wingsuit crash. No. No. <laughs> <laughs> if you're looking for something. Uh, not rated G. Do the YouTube search "wingsuit crash." Uh, there are some some terrible things, but James he he writes this letter. He's Jesus's brother. He's uh, which which is remarkable. Jesus or James had all it being Jesus's brother. He could have said listen, I knew this guy, Jesus, better than any of you. He was my brother, and you should steer clear yeah. of him. Or introduce his letter at least by saying, hey, this is James, the brother of Jesus. Yep. He doesn't. And then on the other end of it, he could have said, listen, I'm Jesus' brother, you should all follow me.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: He's gone, now follow me. And uh, he didn't do either of those. And, but James, old camel knees, guy who was thrown off the temple and didn't die, uh, is not a very touchy feely guy. I like him because sometimes my responses can be kind of like james no no oh <laughs> uh, james james uh if if you asked him to do something that he didn't think you should do, he would have only one word for you Just no, no. <laughs> and uh, which is, it's different than Paul. Paul, he says things like, "My beloved friend, come visit me soon. Bring my coat. I can't wait to be with you." James goes, "Hi, consider it pure joy <laughs> <laughs> that you face trials of many kinds." And the 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 heart of this statement, and what we're going to be talking about in this message, what we're talking about in this first chunk. Is not the joy in trials. It's it's really the why you're supposed to consider it joy when you face trials because it produces perseverance.
1: Which what is perseverance? Because I I thought like perseverance is you know, you you withstand hard stuff so that you can get to one thing. Mm. When you get to that thing, you're done. You don't have to persevere anymore. Yeah, so like getting to something once. Perseverance? Me?
0: That's a piece of it. I I naturally gravitate towards the perseverance that is like on epic scale. The We were on the Titanic, except it wasn't the Titanic. It was one where, oh, we were on the Titanic. We were on a lifeboat. And when they picked up all the lifeboats, they missed us. And we had to survive in the Atlantic for six months. And we had to eat each other and fish. Ugh. That maybe got a little dark, but <laughs> but like perseverance is like this epic scale of survival or persistence hmm. uh you You ran a marathon, yeah, it sucked. <laughs> I, I won't do it again. You speak about your
1: marathon running with great affection. I really did not enjoy it, but you know, kind of think of it, why did I even run the marathon? Why did you run a marathon? I think it came to my mind as well. I haven't run a marathon. Maybe I should run a marathon. Did you train? Yeah, I trained for six months. I was not a runner. so I went from not being a runner to running a marathon. It was weird.
0: Did you do a training? Did you follow a training schedule? Yep. And you did it. I went from literally
1: sitting in my kitchen saying I've never run, never been much of a runner except when I played soccer, which you run plenty in soccer, but I hadn't played for years. And my start of my training program was... Go out and run for 20 minutes straight. Don't even think about distance. Just get to the point where you can run 20 minutes nonstop. That was a start. I trained for six months. Got all the way up to just a 20-mile run before the marathons. So uh, the last, the last five miles of the marathon were so hard. Because it was longer than you'd ever run before. I'd never run that long in my life, yeah. Yep, the People... first,
0: first 19 were, I did them. I did them really well. <laughs> and
1: then the last seven were just a slog
0: I've had a handful of people I wasn't going to say many but it's been a handful of people who've said that those last two or three miles of the marathon are just unbelievable and, yeah. and in my head I go you just ran 20 Yeah. how can three more yeah that bad
1: the last part of a marathon is actually the perseverance it's not the six months of training and it's not the first
0: nine of the
1: run it's getting to that point and wanting to die and still going still going my legs didn't want to work anymore and it just, it's just was like well I can stop or I can keep moving forward every step those are my two options take more steps or go sit down
0: hmm. do you do you think Doing something like that sets you up to persevere in other areas in life?
1: I don't know. I don't feel like it did for me, but again, I still don't even know why I ran a marathon. Hmm. Some people, yes. I'm sure there's a lot of people that say, wow, I just did all that training and I completed the marathon and now I feel empowered to persevere in other areas.
0: You think? I don't know if people do. Maybe. Hmm
1: perseverance
0: perseverance the the thing that has really come up in our conversations thing that we talk about is this, I, the phrase that we said kind of over and over again is that anything that you love and truly value will require perseverance of you mm. yeah and the the root behind us talking about that is because if you love your kids once or used to love them, it's not as good. <laughs> if you love your wife once or used to love them, uh, there's a problem to Swartz. If you want to uh, serve your community well, be a good neighbor. If you want to uh, help a injustice in the world, uh, doing it once is is has some value, but it it it's not. If it's something you truly love and care about, that you truly do value, perseverance is part of the equation.
1: Yeah, I can do anything once. I can run one marathon, <laughs> and I yeah. did, and I won't do a number two ever. Yeah, yeah. What does it look like to get done with something really difficult and say, "All right, let's do it again tomorrow"?
0: What? A, we'll back up from that. What does it say about something that you, you'd love it or you value it, but you're only willing to do it once? What does that say about that person?
1: Hmm. I'm only willing to live my, love my kids one time. They better pick a really good time for me to do it because they're only getting it once. Wow. That'd be, that'd be really sad.
0: It's sad. I think it's easy to say that see where that is wrong, but what about somebody who says I'm really passionate about, uh, clean drinking water in a a country Yeah. and, uh, you go and do whatever it is to do that. You dig the wells, you raise the money or whatever it is, Mm. but then, uh, then you say, I did that. I'm done.
1: Yeah. Well, or zoom out. I mean to to say, you know, pick any country that doesn't have clean drinking water and to be really passionate about that one country and getting water to them while the neighboring country also doesn't have water. And you mm. you know, what if you stop at one? I think that's the thing that perseverance doesn't stop at one. Yeah. Or two or three or ten or a hundred. And I think there's still stop points in life, but perseverance is the thing that it goes to the nth degree
0: well you that brings up a good point because perseverance isn't necessarily about completion perseverance is about continuing the process yeah you know I didn't get clean you know using that illustration I didn't get drink clean drinking water for everybody perseverance goes but I can help with one more but I can help with one more yeah yeah
1: yeah there's the other side of it of like being too overwhelmed by the gravity of any situation to you get crippled into not doing something and i think real perseverance probably allows us to see that it starts with the ones and then keeps going yeah. yeah there's so many people without water where do i even start yeah start with one go do one thing and don't let it be the end
0: hmm so why do you think James ties together in his his letter, five chapters? He loves one-liners. He has 11 sections that are focused on these, what, it, it seems like his top 11 things to general issues that people should focus on. He's writing Jewish Christians in general, not a specific person or a yeah. specific church. And so his first breath which is, I th- it's got to be intentional. Yeah. He says, hi, greetings. <laughs> Consider it pure joy when you face trials of any kind because it produces, it yields perseverance. It's crazy because even Paul will start with, I've been thinking about
1: you. <laughs> I miss you. I hope to come see you soon. Yeah. And now here's some stuff that I need to talk to you about. James says, hi, here's stuff.
0: Yeah. And he didn't write it because people were celebrating their trials. Yeah. yeah. He, Who were the Jewish Christians that were scattered? Were the people that uh, were living in proximity of each other. Then Stephen was stoned. Mm-hmm. And in that persecution, they were scattered throughout the entire region. And so he's writing to that general group. Yeah. And the, if if you're thinking to your life, <laughs> remember when we were all close together and then they killed Stephen?
1: Yeah.
0: Uh, that would make me pretty whiny. Yeah. Yeah. I,
1: I, I wouldn't be considering trials. Very joyful. I, I think it's, yeah, it's on purpose. There's this moment where persecution for the followers of Jesus was still really real.
0: Yeah, it wasn't people making fun of their cross-printed genes. Yeah, we should bring those back, by
1: the way. I got some...
0: Do you have some in the back pockets? the back
1: pocket. <laughs> <laughs> the,
0: yeah, the cross sword. <sighs> I mean, this was...
1: People, yeah, people were dying. dying. Je, Jesus left and said that you, you're going to be persecuted. You're going to be flogged. You're going to be killed. They're going to try and kill you. Don't be afraid of the people who can't touch your soul. And, I mean, all of the disciples died, except for John, yeah. by way of martyrdom. And, and so this is very real, that... Jesus died. He was killed at the hands of all these people, and now all of his followers are also—they're being killed. Uh, You're being persecuted. It's happening.
0: You've been displaced. Your, your peers and your loved ones are being persecuted and killed.
1: Yeah.
0: And James goes, "Hi.
1: Consider it pure joy. Consider it pure joy that you've gone through persecution and trials, and that you've been separated from your loved ones." You're persecuted to the point of facing death.
0: Yep. It'll never be the same again. You can't go home. Yeah. And you know why you should consider it joy? It's because it's creating, it's producing in you, it's helping you be a person of perseverance.
1: Yeah. I don't know. For me, it feels so much like I'd say, James, I don't want perseverance. I want my wife back. Yeah. Yeah. I I want my kids back. I don't want perseverance. Yeah. That's what I feel and uh,
0: so that brings to the question brings to question why why did james think perseverance was that important for those people yeah. yeah
1: yeah i don't know how many of them were married with kids i know that changes things certainly not to say that you're automatically resigned to a life of only suffering if you're single that's not it at all but I know that I think the culture I mean, Paul talking so much about the value of singleness and what it, what it looks like to be serving God without essentially the weight of a family, the weight of a mm. spouse, the weight of kids. And these people who were, he was writing to, I mean, so many of them were in full service of Jesus, the way they were going around spreading the news, the good news of yeah, Jesus way, basically and, um, they were doing this work. This was their life every day. And I think James understood that and was communicating that you're already in this. Yeah. And and a lot of you probably don't have wives or children. You've committed your life to this. Don't give up. Don't give up. Um, hmm.
0: So that's a is that is there a bridge of connection to us then? I think so.
1: I don't know the last time I was persecuted for my faith. I don't know if I've ever truly been persecuted for my faith. If anything, in high school I can remember being like lauded for my faith by kids who weren't really Christians.
0: Hmm.
1: Because I did certain things certain ways, and like that was that was really cool that you did that. And I remember at the time being like, oh yeah. I'm not going to say anything.
0: But <laughs> secretly, it was I no big deal. I
1: feel super glad that they saw it. Yeah, and so our culturally speaking, I mean, we live in America. We're super insulated from faith persecution. There are people dying today for their faith around the world. That's a reality. But
0: where does where does perseverance tie into the need for perseverance? Yeah. Tie into our faith.
1: Yeah, and I think. I mean that seems like it's part of the equation regardless whether or not i'm being persecuted for my faith yeah i mean think about how many things are just hard for us as people in faith yeah Uh, again i I think being persecuted for my faith to the point of death my family being held hostage i can't imagine that but what does it look like in the moment where i have i have free time on any given day and i decide Yeah, God, I I just don't feel like pursuing you right now. Yeah. I'd rather do this other thing, so I'm going to go do this other thing. Yeah. That's not perseverance.
0: I think about the greatest commandment, loving God fully. And going back even to our conversation about anything that you love and care about and truly value, it's going to require perseverance. And so if I'm going to love God with everything that I am... uh, you know, I, I can do that just like jumping off of a bridge, like that sprint towards the ground. I'm doing it! But like to do it as a... Uh, like Paul talks about, to walk faith, to run a race, to finish it. It's, uh, it's going to require a lot of perseverance. And then to love my neighbor as myself is... More it's than once. Screaming for perseverance. Yeah.
1: Yeah. More than twice. Yeah. Uh so long as they're your neighbor, love mm-hmm. them as yourself. Yeah. Until that ends, love them as yourself. That's I mean, most of the time you're gonna have a neighbor somewhere. Yep. Your whole always. life. That's that's life perseverance. That's I mean really loving God always, loving people always.
0: Yep. And to flip James words. Upside down, and that is that as you realize you need perseverance, as you face trials, recognize that this is a good thing because it's helping you get that thing that you need. And if I say to myself, No, 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 I don't need trial, I just, I mean it this time, I'm gonna persevere, I maybe, <laughs> but the thing that produces Perseverance that has fruitfulness of perseverance is trials in the midst of those trials. I don't know if I have to be joyful about the trials but I should be joyful about what it's producing which is perseverance.
1: yeah be be joyful because
0: the the thing and I, I just to read James words again, I'm scrolling I'm scrolling I, I want to nail it and exactly James
1: as you bring this up, I just point out that uh, something like this, this theme has been twisted a little bit throughout Christian history to say, make sure that you feel really joyful about the trials specifically.
0: This is, that's exactly what
1: I was saying. Feel really good that you're just getting beat.
0: Yeah. It says, consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters. So this is everyone. Whenever you face trials of many kinds. Now what you're talking about is that that's a there's a period but it's not a period it's a comma yeah because um the thing that it feels gross to me is when uh, there's an expectation that when you're you know a loved one dies and you go praise god yeah praise god i'm i'm so thankful for this moment what a trial And I'm so thankful for this this trial. Uh, I'm feeling pain. And so because of this pain, I'm thankful. Now, that, that can happen. But that is just a razor's edge from when people are manipulated into saying or acting that way. And that's when, you know, someone has a loved one pass away and then the co-mourner comes up to you and goes, consider this pure joy, brother. Oh, let's pray. Let's celebrate that they died. Yeah. No grief allowed. This is a celebration. So, comma, there's a, and there's a because. So consider pure joy, brothers and sisters. Consider joy, everyone, when you face trials, because you know that testing of your faith produces perseverance and so the thing that we're joyful about is what it's producing not joyful about the you don't have to be joyful about what's the trial is yeah and i think i think there is a process that
1: as we experience trials in life if we put this to practice we will eventually get to a point i believe where we are encountering joy in trial. And we're, no, we're not like excited about trial, but we, we've seen, we've seen what it produces. Yeah. So, so the marathon picture, any kind of workout picture, I hate working out. Even now I tried to work out a couple months ago and I got like four or five days in (laughs) and I gave up and I hate spending time on it. But there's seasons in my life where I've worked out for like 12, 16, 20 weeks straight and there's some days where i don't feel like it but most of those days when i'm in it i get excited to work out because i've seen what it's produced the health that it's brought me the strength that it's brought me and uh i'm not going to go home and like get excited next time my kids have to go to the doctor for some bad reason no but in trial we get to see perseverance if we choose this process and and we actually get to see god build things in us and his faithfulness when we are choosing perseverance is very visible.
0: It's a razor's edge because, on one side, it's this coerced, manipulated, uh, sometimes fake, sometimes just off mm-hmm. joy and pain, masochistic. Yeah. It's like, and then it's it can look exactly the same. The razor's edge, the other side is that I do feel joy in the midst of struggle uh it's because i know because god is comforting me and because i know that this is refining and shaping me mm-hmm. and so I, I i don't think we should just be crushed by all suffering i don't think we should be forced to lie about pain that we feel yeah um, I do think James, he starts off with this, is that perspective is important. Yeah. It hurts right now that Stephen is gone and we're all, all over the place and we can't go home anymore and we've lost our identity. We're now, we're no longer Jews. We're cause we can't go back to them. We're followers of Jesus. And who, what does that even mean? He's gone. There was so much going on, but their faith said that uh, in these trials it's producing something in me perseverance which is needed James continues on and he says after this which is the tweetable statement in this is that consider pure joy because of what it produces then he says seek God's direction Uh, keep perspective of who you are reward will come with perseverance on your way to perseverance don't blame God on your way uh, to perseverance remember that everything good comes from God and we'll we'll dig a little bit deeper into those things but uh, I love uh, you brought up Hebrews 12 the yeah. other day yeah
1: well oh, I love Hebrews 12 it really it continually speaks to my heart because my my value feels like it rides this wave a lot of times it's like Yeah, God, I know you're seeing me as valuable. And other times where I'm like, no, God, there's no way you could value me. Mm. I'm worthless. And Hebrews 12, it talks about perseverance, essentially. And it talks about this picture of a race. Uh, As we're racing, as we're persevering, keeping our eyes focused on Jesus, Mm. the the author of our faith, the perfecter of our faith, and says, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, persevered the cross. And uh growing up, you know, I knew that verse, but I never knew what the joy set before him meant. Mm. Like what does that actually represent? And uh why did he go to the cross? No, the joy set before him. It was me. It was us. It was it was people. Um he he endured the cross, scorning its shame. Other scripture says he's led like a lamb to slaughter. Uh, went so peacefully, didn't try and defend himself. He he did it because of the joy set before him. Uh, what? That's amazing, perseverance. Like, not just once when people were alive and he didn't have to give his life, and not just twice when his disciples failed for the hundredth time and he missed him, but going to the cross, I mean, full perseverance, uh, did it for joy. And uh, if he can experience joy in the midst of that kind of trial, I know that there's a way I can experience joy in the midst of trial. And I don't know how to get there always. But if Jesus is dying on the cross, but in his mind, he's seeing the joy set before him being us. I know, man, whatever whatever trials come my way, there's got to be something that is full of joy in the midst of that. And it doesn't make the trial easier, but it, it, it can keep my focus. Yeah. Um, that to me is powerful. It's moving. It helps me frame out. The moments when I encounter trial or things that are hard, yeah, why should I persevere? Why should I even care about this thing? Because I don't, I don't want to. Uh, so yeah, where, wherever you're at, I mean, there's everybody's got maybe different things. What's what's the joy set before you in the midst of that trial? What trial are you facing, and what what joy do you have set before you?
0: Hmm. Yeah. Keeping that in focus. That's where James starts and. James is uh, relentless in these these five chapters. He, he piles a what what feels like a lifetime of his learning, his understanding, his growing with Jesus, his seeing his ministry, and now after Jesus' death and resurrection ascension, he says, all right, I'm going to put here in five chapters everything that is really important to everybody, and it's dense, it's heavy, it's challenging, and uh, we're going to spend the next weeks digging into it. James has, uh, a parallel tone with the Sermon on the Mount and with Proverbs, uh, Proverbs being definitely texts that he knew all of his life and, uh, Sermon on the Mount, Jesus' teaching, uh, was obviously influential to him. And we have a reading plan. It'll be in the comments or what is it? The <laughs> notes section of this podcast, uh, read James, read Proverbs together. I uh, would encourage you to do that. Uh, thanks for listening in, uh, this, this is not something that you can be delegated to do. Be joyful, my brother! Yeah. As you're whipped. But this is something we need to choose. Go do it. Choose it. Yeah. Thanks for hanging with us next week. Greg will be back.
1: And I'll be gone. Man. <laughs> <laughs> We've been on rotation. You were gone two weeks ago. Yep. Greg was gone last week and this week. I'm gone next week, and then uh, two weeks from now, nobody will be here. We will have
0: really? a podcast full of music. Oh. We'll just be doing a Kenny G, best of Kenny G. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Sax love. On that note, talk to you guys later. Bye.